The following is presented by the Cheeky Bastards. Go to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers, and welcome to the ninth edition of Dropping a Bruce, the monthly podcast where we watch every single one of Bruce Willis's 40 direct-to-video releases from his acting career to see if he took the role for a paycheck and dropped a deuce, or if, in fact, he took the role and gave it his all and dropped a Bruce. I am the notorious Scott K. And from the UK, this is Steve, and I want to know... Why does the spider climb so high? And together, we will be your rock-steady captains on this 40-month journey through the lesser-known movies of Mr. Bruce Willis's filmography. This month's stop is the 2016 crime thriller, Marauders. We will find the answer to Steve's question. <laughs> However, before we dive into that, I want to thank all of you who listened to us on the last of the Action House Podcast Network we truly, truly appreciate your continued support and listenership, and we hope that you are enjoying this bizarre, sometimes maddening, sometimes surprising, and sometimes spider-filled questions of <laughs> a show about Mr. Bruce fucking Willis and the movies most of you have not ever seen and may have not even heard of. You're in good company because until we started this podcast, a majority of these films I didn't even know they didn't fucking know. existed. <laughs> I didn't. No. Some of them I wish they didn't, and some have been like, hey, you know what? Hey, hey it's been some surprises. And since last month, we broke a string of just four consecutive kick-to-the-dick type of films that we had to struggle through. Last Why month not? was a bit of a surprise. Does was. November here in America, our Thanksgiving time, that you're going to be, I think this might be playing either the Tuesday after Thanksgiving here in America or Right before Thanksgiving. So, is this going to be a helping of Bruce? Or is this going to be someone changed up the fucking recipe and gave you a deuce for Marauders? Neither of us have talked about it. As a matter of fact, 10 to 15 minutes before we started recording, I just finished it. So, we're going to get into it. Wow, this is exciting. This is the first. I mean... Yeah, no, we've often um, we we've often, often come know. in cold. We've come in cold a couple yeah, times, yeah. But a lot of the time, most of the time, I think I'm I'm the one who's lagging behind. So it's all right. I, I watched it last night. Okay, I, I I started it last night. I got it in a little late. I started, did the first forty minutes, and said, you know, what? I'll knock the last hour out. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, today, yeah. so that's what so I, I did. So I watched it last night, and I didn't watch it again tonight. But there were just a few things I just wanted to confirm. Mm. You know, so I, I sort mm-hmm. of sort of flicked through, I guess, just to just for a couple of moments, just to be sure, because you know the listeners yeah. deserve us. Well, no, they deserve our full attention. They... Well, after Precious Cargo, I mean, we were, you know, we were on this. We felt we were on a slope, and who we knows? Did, maybe, we did. maybe, maybe there's a little bit of bend in the road. You never know. I'm not even sure how I feel yet. We're gonna get into it, but before we find out why the spider climbs so high and. Who the fuck TJ Jackson is and why is all of his fucking DNA at the crime scenes? It's time for our... What you talking about, Willis? Just the facts, man. Just the facts. This film was released in 2016, written by Michael Cody and Chris Sivertson, and directed by Stephen C. Miller, starring Christopher Maloney, Bruce Willis, Dave Bautista, 
Adrian Grenier, Jonathan Skeech, Lydia Hall, Tyler John Olson, and Texas Battle. With a runtime of 107 minutes, it holds a 5.5 rating on IMDb and a 22 critics and 19 audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. When a bank is hit by a brutal heist, all evidence points to the owner and his high-powered clients. But as a group of FBI agents dig deeper into the case and the deadly heist continue, it becomes clear that a large conspiracy is in play. Lionsgate and Grindstone Entertainment Group presents Marauders. My friends, only small fingers believe there's a top plateau to reach. We here at Hubert National Bank will never stop climbing higher to maximize your bottom line. Do not be a hero. We're here for the bank's money, not yours. We have a robbery homicide. Brutal. Very personal. How much was taken? Three million and whatever was in the registers. You seem to have some kind of relationship with the man who was killed there. I'm trying to stay out of it. Alexander Hubert, the younger brother of Jeffrey Hubert, was held for ransom in 2011. Kidnapping went south. Alexander Hubert died. Now we have another attempt to get Hubert's money. How often do you think the owner of a bank visits his branches? I mean the man at the very top. He visits ours a lot. Montgomery, they've hit another bank. We're on it. A $3 million donation to a charity. These guys are trying to make themselves look really good. Are you suggesting that these guys are doing the right thing by leading me to a bigger fish? Safety deposit boxes where people keep their dirt. Now, why did he hold on to something so incriminating? Seven of 16 representatives have accounts at Hubert's branch. What's the difference between a question and an allegation? An allegation is the one you don't answer. <laughs> yeah. You crazy! Hubert is still out there. Not everybody needs a gun to get things done. Mr. Bruce Willis plays Jeffrey Hubert, the head of a large national bank located in Cincinnati. Thank God we're no longer in the fucking south with these films. We decided to take some money and move up a little bit north and look like we're in a real city. All right, good. That was a very welcome change, I must say. Yes, it was. Yeah. Now, Mr. Hubert has high-powered friends, and he may or may not have had his younger brother killed. Bum, 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 the plot thickens. Now, as we started about a month or two ago, I forget now, but we started to tell you about the movies that Mr. Willis did. Now, if you remember last month's episode, the only other film he did in 2016 was Precious Cargo Marauders, where his directed DVDs, the only movie he did theatrical release was his cameo during the end credits of Split. So we are ending the 2016s. We are getting awfully close to the end of his Hollywood theatrical release career. Sadly, but we've got we've got 31 of these go. We're almost a fourth of the way through. We're almost. We almost did it. Hey, I've been I've been, I've been enjoying this, man. Me too. You I know, just we still got 31 you, to go. You know what? Some of these movies have just flat out sucked, but I'm glad I've seen them. I'm glad I'm seeing them. I'm yes. enjoying this. This is an interesting exercise. Those of you who have just finished listening to our end of three consecutive months 
on our Cheeky Bastards main podcast where we just finished talking about the legendary maestro himself, Mr. Michael Bay. We did 15 of his films in a row. And while it was a daunting task, it was definitely one that has enriched me and I think my cohort here in the ability to watch some films, but in consuming them in a great quantity, you have more of an appreciation and understanding and an education on those filmmakers. An illuminating experience. Yes. And this yes. has been one of those, another kind of like that was a roller coaster of a ride. Some some amazing films, some like, what the fuck is this? We're in that same territory currently in the first season of this. The first twelve we've had a bit of a yeah, yeah, a bit of a shake up and I'm enjoying been it. Some yeah. highs and there's been some lows. Yes, yes. We have been below shit. We have been, <laughs> I don't know if there is a below shit, but we've been there. Now this film the plot of Marauders is a series of violent bank robberies carried out by masked men seem to be aimed at the well-connected owner of these banks. However, these crimes may not be motivated by money, but rather by vengeance and a need for redemption. I will say straight out the gate, straight out the gate, soon as I hit play and this came up and I, our our our. Steve's favorite title, and that's the uh, the, the clown, <laughs> the the Everett guys, the train. I was like, okay, there it is, the Steve. That's we're gonna get a lot of those because that's just this guy's company. But instantly, I was like, this has the look of a theatrical released Hollywood film. Like instantly, I was like, okay, we're in different territory today. We're in different territory for this film. I thought, oh, okay, I'm excited. And without skipping right to the end and telling you how we feel about it, there are, as we're gonna discuss, there are some some definite holes and issues but a lot better paced acted filmed maybe even written film than some of the ones we have seen in quite some time so i i i preface it that way because up until this point so those of you who are listening to this who could be years from when we actually record this we could be finished by some of you may listen to this after we finished or we're like another season's down and we may have gotten better movies or worse movies so up until this point I went to episode nine, the eight films we've watched prior, there have been some good ones, a few, maybe one to three, depending on two to three, depending on who we talked to, me or Steve. This one, I feel like falls in a category where I was surprised it didn't have a theatrical release just based on the acting in it, based on the people and the base, the way it looked. It didn't feel right out the gate like a direct-to-DVD. It felt like a B-movie or someone's first time directing film. Steve, what was your first take when you hit play on fucking Marauders? Okay, well, I did a lot. I tried. I tried to do some research and find that because I agree with everything you've just said, firstly. But I wanted to delve into the budget of this movie a bit, and I could not. They're so cagey. They're still so cagey about these budgets. This is, I'm telling you right now, we've talked about it. I believe they're washing drug money. I'm just going to be honest yeah, with so, you. I, at sorry, this point, I'm going, I, they're yeah, washing yeah, drug I'm sorry money. if I sound like a broken record, but I'm, I'm constantly so curious about the budget of these movies because we know they didn't make <laughs> any money. Ironically, they're, they're pretty upfront about the box office because I doubt they can control that. But they're very cagey on the info with these <laughs> budgets, man. So, so you know, it made them. Yeah, okay, made a million dollars. I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty much, that's a bit of an echo at the moment. They all seem to hover around that area. Um, so I don't know how much this movie costs, but no question, there's definitely a vibe, a theatrical vibe to. It. Or you know what? Even if you disagree, you can't disagree a hundred percent with that. You know, you could say like, oh no, I still think it looks a bit Netflix or. Yeah, but even that's a step up to say that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would even say this looks a little bit better than some of the Netflix films. No, it, no, it just has, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, it really did have a yeah. a heat grit to it. Like just the look of it, I was like, okay, we're starting off with a. Yeah, there's certain and um, there's certain shots that I thought there's money. They've this looks good. You know, I feel like um, I didn't know if I was being lured in or a false sense of security. <laughs> well, the last time we saw Mr. Stephen C. Miller's film, it was Extraction, a couple months back, and the look. Completely changed in about in the year. I mean, what was it, a year ago? In in time frame when it was released. Yeah, no, no, that did look. This is that's the kind of movie we're talking yeah. about. Where you know you're not fooling me here. You know you are. Yeah. You know you'd make this movie with you know peanuts, <laughs> yeah. literally, probably. Yeah. So yeah, um, but this one, yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you said, really. And um, yeah, it's got it's certainly got a better look to it. Um, I, again, I, I don't want to. I just I don't want to jump to far ahead but you know you talk about the acting and performance and characters we're we're on a, we're operating on a higher level here not high maybe perhaps not high enough but we're definitely on the right track i did make a note and we'll get to why i believe what you're saying we both feel the same and i, I have a reason why but this was definitely one of those movies where i actually enjoyed watching the movie there are some miscues and there's some plot holes and some stuff like that but overall, the main actors that we have, and you've already heard them before, but I will mention them again. Christopher Maloney. He's the fucking man. Fucking unbelievable. I mean, I think I said last week I enjoyed, last month I enjoyed a <laughs> MPG, Mark, Borg, whatever his last whatever however he says his last name. He was good. Yeah. But I think Christopher Maloney right now, if we were giving out an award, wink, wink. We might at some point. If we were given out an award, maybe <laughs> for who won, who had the best acting so far, he's 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 in my top. He's top two, if not number one. Right? He was. Am- he's firing on all cylinders. And I kept watching this, going. Now I've seen his Netflix show, and he's phenomenal. And then obviously he's in the SVU shows here in America and all that stuff. He's in the show Happy from the director who did one of my favorite horror slash movies of Nicholas Cage's career, Mom and Dad. But Christopher Maloney needs to get a little more screen time and some and, and more films once they come off as a strike. You know, he's uh, underused, this guy. Oh, I my mean, God. He was phenomenal. Right, first, before we get out of look, Happy, if you haven't seen Happy, it is a mind blower. Yes. You haven't seen, I don't care who you are, you've never seen anything like it. No. No, it's, it's, a, it's a spectacular TV and show. And Chris Maloney is just, yeah, so underused. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of, um, you know, he's like a best kept secret or something. I don't know, but he should be doing, he should be doing more. I, I agree with you. He is a spectacular actor. And Dave Batista starts to show his acting chops in this film. Agreed. He starts. Yeah, to, he yeah, starts. You know, you know what I mean? He, it's too. yeah. He starts to show his chops. Uh, you've got. I mean, Bruce. We'll get into him too. I thought he was. He was pretty good. And even Adrian Grenier. And of course, my man Jonathan Skeech pops back up. And then mainstays of this podcast apparently. Lydia Hall. She jumps in. We got Tyler John Olson again over here. Oh, it's like a fucking family reunion every episode of season one. Okay, I've got it. Just before we get too yeah. carried away. Adrian Grenier guy. I'm not as sold on this. It's okay, but he was he was a major star with Entourage. I know, but now, this guy <laughs> here's the funny thing. I think in the same year or he's a year not later, good, okay? He's also in a movie. Now, I don't know if Petros listens to us on this, but he'll know. There is a movie that I've talked about called Deadfall, where there's a Nicolas Cage character in there that's just yeah. bonkers. Well he 
Something happens to him in that original movie where he shouldn't be in a second movie, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, for reasons we don't know, Stephen C. Miller here brings him back to life in another movie with Nicolas Cage re <laughs> reprising his role. But he's in a movie called Arsenal. And Nicolas Cage plays one of his best roles ever, Eddie King from Deadfall of 94. It's not nearly as good in this movie. It's it's bizarre. And Jonathan Skeech is in it. So there seems to be this thing for Mr. Steven C. Miller. He seems to like to work with the same people. Uh, Cusack's in it as well. It's not good. <laughs> this one, yeah, this, this one, one was pretty good. Yeah, a lot good. of familiar faces. Yeah, yeah, a lot of familiar faces. I told you, it's a world that we're going to be working in here. Yes, yes. Like a... Now, if you get a chance to see this movie, I, I, Steve, I don't know if you've played anything against it. Uh, probably late 2000s, early 2010s, I'm thinking. I'm trying to remember my if my, my son doesn't listen to this, but if he if he did, he would know. He and I played this game called uh, Army of Two. It was a pretty cool fucking video game. I know the game. They, the masks yeah, yeah. in this movie are from that game. Like, they're directly from that game. So just anyone like who's Rock. watched, yeah, yeah. who played I, the game Army of Two, if you go, this fucking looks familiar. <laughs> Those are the exact yeah. masks you know that they I, use in the game. I, I didn't make that connection, but as soon as I saw the masks and the, and the guys in, you know, Mm -hmm. Rain and the slow motion. They got these masks and the automatic automatic weapons. I did. Yeah. First thing I thought of was like like a PlayStation yeah. game front cover to a PlayStation game. Even the title card to the movie. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's no real there's no credits in this movie. No, which was just first because we always talk about how good the credits are. Exactly. No, well, because you always get you know. I mean, obviously you got the the production company names coming up at the beginning. Then you get like a like the robbery scene, mm -hmm. which is good. But then you get the Marauders title card, and that's it. Yeah, and they slowly push it on the Marauders title card, and then boom, we're into the, the next part of the film. We start going through. But just to keep on track with um, previous episodes, for my research, twelve producers on this movie. Look at the so, less hands, yeah, the better it's starting to get. Exactly. Take note. So you know, uh, <laughs> any so, yeah, of you so out got... there thinking about becoming producers, maybe a few less of you. You know what I mean? Maybe, yeah, maybe so you and do, a couple so of your friends. We get twelve producers on this one, so you know we're yeah, on our way down. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. No one wants that many dicks in one spot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. now, a few less dicks is a little bit better. Le a lot less sausage at the sausage party. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the opening is really good. I and mean, you said rain. I, I think he went with a seven motif. This is Steven C. Miller. He's, he's like, I'm going to combine seven with, extent, with some yeah. heat yeah, because it you. rains the yeah. entire film. Cincinnati's never seen more rain than in this film. So it rains a lot, which is fine. It, I mean, it does add an element. It's not, I, I didn't mind it at all. I noticed it immediately. I was like, man, it's raining all the time. Like, I'm sure this is, are you, this isn't London. We sure this isn't an English one. <laughs> I love the opening. You know, when you do a bank robbery, it's hard these days, especially since the 90s, to not be compared to heat. It's hard to do anything with masks and not be compared to heat. Yeah, I agree. The town did a great job of avoiding that, the Ben Affleck starring and director film. And I thought, now I'm not saying this film's in the, the is in the same caliber as those two completely, no, no. but I really enjoyed this opening robbery. It was very inventive and thought out. I mean, even some of the violence or whatever does happen, it's a little bit more realistic this time through. I love the whole using the smartwatch and having a speaker and giving, you know, not giving up your voice. At least this part of what they were doing, someone really thought it out. Like there was some time taken. And I think the writers and director knew that, look, if we're going to do a, a, a movie that's basically around bank heists, we've got to make sure that we don't get saddled into the fact that, oh, you're just doing another heat. And the fact that they decided to make their robbery, at least for the 
first one. And even some of the other ones they do. Not like he. I really appreciate that. I really enjoyed it. And I thought they did a damn fine job of pulling off that first slice. As soon as that first five minutes goes through, unlike our last film where it was kind of like a, you're kind of like, what the hell's going on? It was kind of fun. But you're like, what? this doesn't make sense. This one I was like, okay, you've got me invested now. Like I'm really invested in what's about to happen because I'm like, it looks good. Yeah. I'm like, I'm in. You're pulling me in. There's a bit of a, there's a bit of a shaky cam vibe to it. So but that's a sign of that them, yeah. that particular mm -hmm. time. Agree. You know, you can you can figure out yeah, what's going on. You don't on. feel like you're having an epileptic seizure. Then that's yeah, just yeah. you know, it's not like some kind of weird John Woo karate fight. It's like it's like you know, I don't know who just kicked somebody who punched anybody. Yeah, exactly. You know, you you can tell what's what's happening. I mean, you know, Chris Silver. Sorry, Chris. I can't say the guy's <laughs> name. Chris Siverston? Siverston, yeah. 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 Say that again. Siverston, I think it's Siverston. Yeah, and Michael Cody. This is the only movie they've written, which I'm surprised. Or, or, or only one of their scripts has been produced anyway. We've gone through the Fabrizios. This yeah, is standard. Yeah. They did. I mean, again, I have some notes about where they fall short, but oh, no, for, your, for your first time out the gate, that's pretty damn good. You know, since 2016, this is the only yeah. movie they've, they've had produced. Uh, the only, you know, um, script they've had produced. Kind of surprises me, really, compared to the Fabrizio. The Fabrizio. Yeah. <laughs> fucking pass him on fucking Fabrizio. Get at least do a tree. Actually, yeah. we're getting pulled in for these big projects. Hey, come on. You give know, these other guys a chance. Yeah, so they did a pretty decent a, job. Exactly. Yeah, that was a surprise. They had some choice you know, dialogue. Not just like our usually funny quips. They had some real, again, Christopher Maloney. He was chewing up the scenery, but not in a, not a Thomas Jane way. He, he you were just hey, like, oh. you, know, you know what I'm saying? You were mesmerized <laughs> by him. Like, he wasn't going on to a big character thing. He was just... he's, he's one of those guys who, like like Thomas Jane in, mm -hmm. the, in the Vice movies, like, yeah, this may be a low-budget, straight-to-streaming you know, movie, but I'm going all out, you know? He's deadly serious. In oh, this, he was he, great. You know, he's... He's, um, he's one of the few guys who can go back and forth with Bruce Willis size-wise, but had the acting chops to make his, like, threats feel like, oh... He can go toe-to-toe, -to -toe. yeah. There's a lot of stoicism with all a lot of these characters. We're talking, you know, this is some deadly... This is all... This is played deadly serious. Well, when he says, "I'm," you know, I could throw you through this. Uh, I could throw you into that uh, Florida wall uh, glass window over there. And Bruce's like, "That's one way it could go." And that's a little toe to toe. I was like, "There's some, there's some back and forths." Oh, there's it was some good great. There's it was some very great. decent back and forth. But it's the one moment you feel like someone who says that you're like, "Oh, I think Bruce might be outmatched." You know, normally some other fat guy says, "Like, oh, Bruce is gonna." Who are you talking yeah, to? It's just John McClane yeah, over here. Yeah, exactly. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. You're making a fool of yourself. Exactly. Not, not Chris Maloney. This guy is serious business. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved him in this movie. Mm -hmm. And that's just one guy. I can't gush about him enough in this movie. For any of the shortcomings that we'll get into, this movie has. There are a few. And there are. And, and a lot of it's plot. A lot of it's um, it's still like a B movie. It's a lot of... These are guys who are getting more professional, our director here, and it's getting there, but it's not there yet, right? Like, it's still... They're, they're close. You can, you can see yeah. the improvement. Definitely. Yes, you can. No question. And he should be hiring... Well, maybe Christopher Maloney's like, I got happy now, like, but... This movie made me want to watch more Christopher Maloney. Like, I've never really been a big fan of the SVU because they just keep going on forever, it seems like. Like, there are some of our American shows, they just never end. And there's always a new SVU or a new something. But he is so good. Is that the, is that the one with Ice-T? 
Is that the show? Because I've never seen Yes, it's it's that Law and Order, show. but he's Law and Order SVU. Now, if you really like Christopher Malone, if you know where he comes from in that world, I'm a fan of the HBO show from the mid to late 90s called Oz. He was in Oz. That's where he gets hit. Oh, he was phenomenal in that. So he has been on my radar for 30-some years almost now, and he just keeps getting better and better. So we may turn this, when we're done with Bruce, we may go to Christopher Maloney. Is it Maloney or Baloney? Huh? There you go, folks. You might be seeing that in three years. Oh. (laughs) No, great, great. To get into your gr- the spider speech, my note is it's a great speech. Yet, <laughs> here's the funny part, right? So we get this close up, and Bruce is, it's our real first introduction to Bruce. There's been a robbery. We're learning about him. He's got some schlub come in, and I don't know, he's walking some people around. All I could think of was when they're walking around the Japanese people in uh, taking a Pelham 123, the original. <laughs> you know, talking about it's just walking them through for, you have no idea why these people are there, but it just happens to be part of the script. And they ask him a question, and he says some things, and he goes, oh, Oh, you know, there's a spider outside his window. It's a brown recluse. Apparently, also, he's a big fan of spiders. He knows the difference in spiders. He said, what floor are we on? And they're like, oh, the, thir- the 14th. He goes, you mean the dreaded 13th? Because they skip floors here in America, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, why does the spider climb up this high? And he goes, it's a big thing. And then they do this wide shot. And this whole speech he's just done. Which is great. It's great. It's ruined because when you see is, yeah, he's on a window, but there's a fucking balcony. So he didn't <laughs> climb up 13 floors. It took away from the whole speech. I was like, <laughs> you should not have yeah. cut to the wide shot. We should not have seen the fucking balcony. Ah, oh, great speech, but that's a fucking balcony. That little cock sucking spider is getting too much credit right now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel exactly the same thing. That's unavoidable. But that's it. But it is a great speech. And I guess, you know, it's that... It's that um, <laughs> I don't mean, I don't want to be mean, but I, I think it's one of those moments where it's like, okay, let's see, we better give Bruce Willis something to do. <laughs> a little bit. There is, because he's not, you know, we know he's, again, once again, he's not in it that much. He was definitely there more than a day or two. Yeah. He probably has more scenes not in one spot than he has in a lot of the movies we've watched recently. Oh, no, well, no, no doubt. A lot of times he's like, he's like in three locations that he was, that's all they were going to shoot him in. You got these three locations, that's all we get with Bruce, you yeah. better make the most but of it. But in a lot of the scenes, there's not much for him to do but he is given this is like his moment but they put it in there early on you know just because like you know you paid to see bruce willis you're gonna get some bruce willis. and he's supposed to possibly be our heavy but again another one of those movies where he's maybe the heavy but we're very left in the dark if he really is our bad guy or not you know we don't feel that pull to being like this is the cocksucker we gotta get you know i don't i never had that feeling i was like he's probably shady but he did grow himself a bit of a beard and he let his hair grow back in so he's got that horseshoe baldness with a little bit of hair yeah it was nice to see him a little changed up because we know he's been the same except for the cgi beard he kind of looks how he should he kind of looks how he should look exactly (laughs) and and he's playing a bank manager so he he looked (laughs) or a bank owner he looked a little more the part of what yeah. I would expect a person in his position to look. He doesn't look like Lex Luthor no. running a bank, and, and that's not like everyone's surprised. He's not about to stab a bunch of terrorists, you know? He's yeah, not stabbing Hans everyone's Gruber. everyone's suddenly surprised that he's, like, a bad guy. He looks like, like Hans you know, Gruber. He's, he like, in his look, Hans Gruber face Yeah, but he doesn't one. look like a bad guy, does he? He looks like a pretty average schmo. He looks like a guy who will be running a bank. You go, yeah, that prick right there. He's Pete in runs, a country he club, runs he runs a fucking, fucking bank. bank. Yeah, look at exactly, this fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah, 
So yeah, with his brown recluses on his fucking balcony. But I think um, let's get in. There are, there are a couple of other actors in this. Well, my next note was the next scene. I had it written down for you too. I was like, oh, is Lydia Hall is an FBI agent, hey. and here's Tyler John Olson as a dirty cop. I was like, boom, they're back. <laughs> it's like the yeah. Hall and Olson show. Dude. It's kind of like a Tarantino thing. It is. You know, you got, you got Hall and Olson. We got Hall and Olson. Yeah. Well, hey, there you go. There's Zoe Bell. There's. Uh, there's yep. uh, Kurt mm-hmm. Russell over She's here. Back. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of like, he's got his own little, She's got his own, own little um, dramatic society yeah. going on here. <laughs> not on that level. No. <laughs> but hey. Dave Batista, I enjoyed him. Well, he's just natural, isn't he? He's just a very naturally gifted guy. I said, why is Dave Batista wearing his FBI jacket in the FBI building? Like, he seems, <laughs> I was like, I wondered if he was like only on set for a couple of days too, because he was still maybe wrestling or trying his career. And it's just like, Dave, we get it. When you're out in the field, you're in the FBI jacket, but you're wearing it in the office. It's almost like, you know what I mean? He was like, oh, I'm wearing it home all the time. Like, hey, guess what? My, I made the FBI. It's almost like he had to keep selling to us that he was in the FBI. Like, in case we couldn't believe that Dave Batista was an FBI agent, he's always in that fucking FBI parka. Yeah, but no, he's, see, Dave Batista, he's, he's just got that X factor of that presence that mm-hmm. you just can't, you know, some people have got it, some people haven't, you know, no matter how you try to sell certain people. He'll have been in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy already. Mm. He'll have already been in that. Yeah. He may have already been in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, he's already on his trajectory. He's already been in the he's MCU. On his way yeah, he's up. already starting his. He's on his way up. And he's getting close to doing 2049. But he's just so natural. He's just so natural, that yeah. guy. You know, he just... You know, so hats off to him. And then there's your guy. Adrian Grenier. What? Oh, fuck that guy. Oh, which guy? He's useless. Who's my guy? Your guy. Your fucking guy over oh, here. Oh, Jonathan Skeech. But boom. That thing you do. What you doing? Do you do? <laughs> hey. You know, mad props. He's not bad, man. He's pretty good in these. He's mad props to yeah. this guy. I can't even say his fucking name. I don't even know if his last name's proper. I'm just saying Skeech. I'm just assuming that's how you say it. I don't know. No one has corrected us yet, so it's spelled S-C-H-A-E-C-H. Skeet? Johnny boy. That's what we're called. Johnny S. I don't think a skeet, a sheet. Johnny Sheet Marin over hey. here. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm saying John, Johnny, Johnny Sheet. Johnny boy, hey. Yeah, Jonathan Sheet. Jonathan Sheet is, he's great in this. One thing we, uh, it's not probably to do with the plot, as such, but um, between you know Chris Maloney and Jonathan Sheech, there's some backs, there's some dark mm-hmm. backstory stuff. I'm glad you brought it up because I put it down. My note was the sad side stories of Filoni and Skeech. I feel are pointless and unnecessary because Jonathan Skeech's character is this. It's a very he he acts the shit out of it. He, I mean, he acts the fucking no, dog great. shit he's out great. of it. As does Maloney. So I don't want to take nothing away no, from the performances. Oh, Even the moments before... they're acting the shit out of these. But we get these dark. Backstories of them. Did they help propel our story? I don't. I, I, Maloney didn't need it. You know what I mean? Like Maloney just didn't oh, need any no, of that. No, no, because obviously, no. I, I know what you're saying. Um, and Skeeter was more like a look, get out of jail free card, so that he can make a turn. Yeah, look, Jonathan Sheets' character, his wife is dying of cancer. Yeah, but you should give the Maloney. Nice note, but, but, is prior to that, he, we think he's a dirty cop, and then yeah, they spring this yeah. on us, so that we then go, oh, that's why he's a dirty. You know what I mean? Like I felt yeah, like it was listen, like a, a bridge for us. But then you got Maloney's character, his wife was a cop too and was murdered undercover brutally murdered yeah but she was brutally murdered so so that's why he's so driven so i think that it does actually benefit the plot does okay i mean i just felt that slowed it down a hair but this is why you've got better characters yes i think but unfortunately 
I think what leads to some of it is this is where some of the writing gets off. We didn't get the payoff for the Maloney thing, right? Because no, we, we no, hear but, about it towards the end. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. When he went to Mexico, did you think he was going after the guy who got his wife? You never got this call. And he's headed off to Mexico because that guy's name is Velasquez. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, he, maybe he broke out in a, in a scene that got cut. And I was like... Oh, he's going to Mexico. I'm like, tell me he's catching up to Velasquez. Tell me we're going to get the ha- he's going to tear him apart with his bare hands. And then it's kind of like we learned the fate of Velasquez. And we're kind of like, I was kind of like, oh. But that's not the character. He's a very by the books character. That wouldn't have rung true to me. I wouldn't have rung true to me. But my, here's the thing with this movie. We're, we're pre- people probably don't know what the fuck we're talking about because we've skipped to the end there. So I'm going to go back. <laughs> there is a lot of this movie that is a fucking mess, right? Now, here's where I will extend an olive branch to what you've just said about Maloney and Sheets' characters, the backstory stuff being necessary or not. I hear what you're saying. Mainly I hear what you're saying because, wait a minute, you're giving these guys backstory and exploring these characters. What about the movie? So I know what you're saying, but it's like... Because uh, a... we're kept in the dark about the the real reason for the robberies for a long time. For a long time. And then we, and and then also, we just kind of get thrown these extra stories, and yeah, you're kind of like, I don't yeah, really care. I yeah. wanna, what's going on with this right here? Yeah, Why yeah, is this happening? I, I like the stuff with those guys, and thankfully it's there, because everything else seems a little bit formulaic and convoluted and kind of overly confusing, you know? I'm kind of like, this should be simple. I almost feel like, you know what? They should have introduced their characters with the backstory. That would have yeah, br- yeah, that would yeah, have made no, more sense. Absolutely. You know what I mean? We could have then gone from there and now go, oh, yeah, well, now we know the motivations. Throwing, yeah, but you're throwing everything but the kitchen sink at this movie. Yeah. And you don't need to because I could, I could describe the plot to this i could write the plot of this movie on the back of a matchbox but they they've they they think there's something more than that and it's not so like you said i i agree you know the backstory you may think that kind of hold things up but i, I think that's more involving to me than the convoluted nonsense of why these robberies are taking place which yeah. as you pointed out it, it, it's kind of like a bit like um Oh shit, we better um, explain why all this is happening. Yeah. And then it's all very rushed, and you're a bit like, what the fuck? So, yeah, you know, it's kind of like this movie's not perfect. You know what no, I mean? This, no. I, I don't even think this is, movie is as good as the last one in a lot of ways. I know what you mean. But in a lot of ways, it's better. So, that's, no, I know, I know exactly what you mean. There's a to and fro going mm-hmm. on here. Um, so, yeah, I know what you're saying, but I like the backstory stuff. But I think I liked it because everything else was getting a little bit out of hand and messy. Whereas that, you could kind of attach yourself to and feel comfortable with and you got you understood, you know, because it's a trope that we're familiar with in these kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, these kind of driven, but ultra-focused cops. I mean, yeah, even in Heat, Pacino's character's got a wife who he barely spends time with, who's got a step, he's got a stepdaughter, tries to commit suicide. Like, De Niro's character, he finally finds love. You know I mean? There's all these things thrown in. But yeah. I think what helps in those... It's the placement of them. And this, we didn't get good. Because when, you, you. when we first meet Pacino in that film, he's you know he's having sex with his wife. They shot, And then they talk about the daughter's got to get ready. And is this deadbeat going to pick her? So we kind of get some of that early backstory. So when we, she finally tries to commit suicide, now the Pornos character, we're now invested in that. Because yeah. if we got it early, the rest of it would be okay. Because it's so we're doing a bank robbery. Then we then we move into the police procedure with the FBI. But then we, we skip moments. Like there was a moment where Chris Maloney almost looks like he was going to commit suicide. And you're kind of like, when did... When did he? When did I ever see him feel that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I, I think, know he's got like the stoic buying the wine thing, but you never got the feeling he was. But like, I think like the focus 
If only the film was as focused as Christopher Maloney's character. Yes. <laughs> and look, if let's Maloney move away. This I, I, yeah, I still I think we should move away from Maloney and discuss Sheets more because I thought this guy was like a fucking. He, he, he has great emotional range in this movie. He well, he, in, it was the other film Vice. Vice, Vice, that he was in. Yeah, well, he's been in two others. He's been in Vice and he was in Fire. No, not Fire with Fire. He was in The Prince. He was the one who who held on to the guns for no for reasons we still don't know why he right. held on to the guns. Do you know what? I once I dis- disagreed with you too much on them, but I was a bit underwhelmed by him mm-hmm. and I didn't see what you saw, okay? But in this, I was like, holy shit, Scott's on to something is kind of what I was. I loved this guy in this. He kept us off balance in this film, which I liked. I did, there were moments I wasn't sure if he wasn't a part of the team, part of the robbery. You know what I mean? There, there was that one oh, moment was, in slow mo oh when, when Maloney's watching him. Yeah. That's another yeah. I'll give a little tip of the cap to the filmmakers. No, I, I was agree. on my back foot with him. Yeah, no, because I thought at any minute. His mask. Something's going to happen where someone's yep. going to grab the mask off, and that's going to be him. I thought he was the one he was holding when they're in the yeah, business. So sorry, in the building, you know, yeah. you've got these mercenaries robbing these banks, basically, and you know, you know, Maloney's FBI. Sheets. Is- well, Sheets also lied on the witness stand against the guys. Which which was still kind of confusing what happened well, when Maloney's telling the story. He told the lie, but he thought he was helping Maloney be able to get off. yeah exactly to, to get the guy or whatever. Yeah, so but yet he still was so, in prison. That was kind of confusing too. Yeah, so like he, he still lied on the witness stand, and that ended up getting Maloney's wife's killer off at some yeah for something. Yeah, yeah. yeah but again, you know, uh, but Sheets is um, he's playing it more intense, mm-hmm. more I would say more quietly tense. Whereas Maloney is kind of a blowhard sort of guy. Yeah. He kind of wanders in and he's throwing shit around and calling everyone a motherfucker. You know. And, and Skeech is also intentionally playing sides against each other. Like he is trying to maneuver his best way possible to do the things he wants to do. And I guess, but that's interesting because I think that makes us wonder about him. It, oh, exactly. Agreed. Yeah. So that, I never knew his total de- motive yeah, for a while. Yeah, so it's deliberate, but you need that because... Because Maloney is so by the book. Yeah. So you've got this kind of, you know, last good cop and the shady cop who eventually kind of converge. We love that shit. We love that shit. Did Maloney remind you a little bit like a, a little tougher, more muscly John McClane if he'd stayed? Like, like, like kind of like, <laughs> like he well, finally, made, like, he finally climbed up. It, it wasn't, you know, he's not like, sar- yeah. he's got sarcastic moments, but they're more tough oh, guys sarcastic, right? But I will say this. I did think at various points in the film. Who should be playing this guy? Yes, like an However, older one. I, not but diss, I know why they didn't it because if they did. It's John McClane. We're watching not John McClane. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not to diss Maloney, but he's playing the Bruce Willis part. I know what you Come mean. On. Oh, if this movie's made ten years earlier, oh, you're hundred percent yeah. right. No, don't get however, me wrong. However, if someone's going to be playing the wrong part or someone else's part, Christopher Maloney made that fucking role his own. Like that role is yeah. That, I'm not taking anything away from him, but I'm just saying. I don't think that Bruce in the this day and age in 2016 could have played that role better than Maloney could have at that moment. I don't know. Well, now, that's, now um... I, I, well, we've been on this journey, and we thought we started to see a little of the maybe aphasia sneaking in a precious cargo that no one knows about yet. Like I don't think Bruce knows yet. So I don't know that Bruce still is firing on all those cylinders at the moment. I, who knows? I could be wrong because he does still no, do some good performances it. in this part of his career. So a few more. But, I you know, you. Maloney was in. Maloney was, was killing it. The Bruce I love should be the Maloney part. Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you. That's all I'm But that's oh, no, all I'm, I'm saying. with you. But if you're going to oh, not have I'm Bruce saying. in that part, Maloney, I mean, very few people you can go, hey, he stepped in and took this role, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. The rest of them, we could have used Bruce in a lot of these other There's parts. There's a million movies out there 
there's a million movies where that character is completely miscast. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, who's this fucking bozo? They got the wrong guy for this. This movie is on fire. So, And Christopher Maloney, as I was thinking about it, could have played Bruce Willis's principal in that first movie we talked about. The only other person <laughs> I could see now playing, now that I've seen him here, I was like, he could have nailed it. Yeah. He could have nailed yeah. it. It would have been a different delivery. That's a, sorry, before funny. I forget, there's another movie you should check out with Chris Maloney, and it's called Wet Hot American Summer. I don't know if you've ever seen yes. that. Fantastic. He's yes. great in that. Yes. I think he's like the chef or the school yes. cook. <laughs> he's fucking great. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, guys. I just... That that's I've been mulling over in my head. Mm. What was that other movie? Um, but anyway, so we've got some, you know, so we've got some serious, you know, acting chops going on. And this comes to my note. I said the biggest problem with all of these films is while they have big name actors, and in this one, we finally got to see these. Let's be honest. Let's be fair. When we watched The Prince, you had Bruce Willis, you had John Cusack, and you had Patrick, um, right? Yes. Yeah. If I told you that was the start of those movies, and I said. In 2016, I said, well, you're going to have Bruce Willis, you're going to have Christopher Maloney, and you're going to have Dave Bautista. Those are going to be your three big, and, you know, the three big ones. You'd be like, let me see the one with Cusack. Well, that's got to be better. Not even fucking close. This this guy got a lot of good stuff out of these guys. So I wanted to preface that before I start taking a little bit of shit. Now, no, the problem true. is is some of this is these budgets go to the actors, so we don't get these great technical a- experts on these movies. And you start to notice some things like when Jonathan Skeech's guys kicked open the door. They look like a bunch of—they look like they give these kids guns, and the and kids are going to go play with guns. Like, they have no tactical sense. It's just a fucking fuckery. I was like, okay, this is yeah, some they, of these problems. They didn't go to boot camp for a week before they made this movie, did they? No. There's no police tactics or military tactics. And that's what makes these films stick out like sore thumbs because we have watched The Heat. We've watched these movies where you go, where the technicality, you're going, whoa. You know what I mean? Like, you almost feel like, am I watching? Is this like, am I watching this in real time? And then you get to these, and like, the acting is great, but then they get to some of these moments, and you go, that's where it's not the same as these other movies. Yeah, but they're quite amateurish. They're quite amateurish in some of these things. if you look at some of the great movies, you know, no matter who directs it, I don't care if it's Finchner, Ridley Scott, Tarantino, whoever of the greats. The, the, the big names, the Christopher Nolans, the background characters, the side characters are really good. Even if they have one fucking line. Yeah. We get great acting and then we get some people that get thrown in because they don't have the money. And they're like some extra people. And I'm not making fun of Lydia Call, but some of the, the girl who played the fucking the reporter. Some of the, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, yeah. you go, oh, like, no, I mean, Christopher right. Maloney's like fucking barking orders and him and Bruce Willis are going toe to toe. And it's like, I'll throw you through this window. That maybe how it happens. Like you're like, whoa. And then all of a sudden, it's like, fine. You're like, who the fuck is this asshole? Yeah. Who did she owe? Who owes her a favor that she got this fucking movie? Or this guy, you know what I mean? Like it, all of a sudden, it puts like the brakes on it. It takes you out of that moment that then makes this film stick out from being a movie that like we would own. And be like, have yeah. you seen this? And be like, what a surprise this is to be in like, I still may say that, but like, you know, this is actually better than you probably think it is. But then those, those factors will pop up and are right in your face. And for the people who aren't willing to sit through them like you and I are, they're going to be like, this, this fucking bitch sucks. This guy's fucking terrible. Yeah. What is, you know, this is awful. So. Yeah. I think um, we're like nine movies in or whatever. <laughs> yes. Nine in baby. And, you know, there are definitely like. As you pointed out, you know, there are definitely films I'd, I'd recommend, mm-hmm. you know, so it hasn't been all bad, but there are just certain things that just hold them back mm-hmm. just that Agreed. little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Like, so like some films are pretty run of the mill, but run of the, there's nothing wrong with run of the mill sometimes. Well, cause you can have some good moments in them. Yeah. You, you can go, have good movies. You can, moments, and you can just yeah. something you can just put on, on a Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. where you're having a beer and scratching your balls or whatever, you know, you're just chilling out watching now a we movie. Know, we know what Steve does on Sundays. 
<laughs> Ew. Uh, <laughs> but then there's some films where you're just like, you're going to be very disappointed. With <laughs> Five minutes in, you're going to want to yeah, punch be someone in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, whereas this one, it looks like a movie. It feels like a movie for, for quite a bit of it. I'm yeah, it's got, mm-hmm. it's got some great actors. It's got some great performances as well. I just, I did find myself at various points tuning out because it was just overly confusing. There could have been a better edit job to it. They, they yeah, could have stru- the story like, could have worked, yeah. But come on, just get moving. Mm-hmm. I even put one of my last notes is the ending felt a bit rushed and unsatisfying in my opinion, which was a little disappointing. Well, I think the actual end, well, in Mexico. Yeah, in Mexico. In yeah. Mexico. That was all a bit out of left field. And it just was. kind of like, man. Which is you, why I you, said, I thought, oh, yeah, he's going yeah. after Velasquez. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know how this is happening, but I was like, fuck it. I want to see Christopher Maloney rip someone's face off. But when Maloney... Leans over and guts Bruce Willis. That's just this too is, implausible. Uh, I know. I know. Ah, it's implausible, but it's mainly implausible because of the character we've just watched for an hour and 40 minutes. Yes. Maloney's character would not do that. No. You know, yeah, because agreed. he's so by the book. And that's not like, that's not like you can say, ah, you, no, you just thought he was by the books. No. no. He is the whole movie. The, the, uh, the overall, you know, overriding factor of this character. What makes this character is that he is the by-the-books guy. There is no inkling throughout any of this film that he might be a bit shady. Where if Jonathan Cheech would have fucking leant over and sliced Bruce Willis's throat or something, you'd have been like, well, I knew he was crazy, <laughs> but I didn't yeah. know he was this crazy. Yeah, exactly. So that you could have bought. Yeah. But Maloney's character, that just didn't no, work. No. That did not work. So you're right. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. You know, it's like that kind of thing where you're like, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, but sometimes you didn't see it coming because it's been programmed that yeah. way and, and you've been led in that direction. This is just like, uh, uh, have Maloney stab him. It's like, what? Well, because uh, Grenier's turn, it's been seated. As I, as the movies kept going, I was, like, I was like, I think Adrian Grenier might be more than meets the eye. He might be a Transformer, right? It was seated. Yeah, I think that was pretty signpost. First off, Grenier should have been the Dave Batista character, but Batista should have been the Grenier character. I'd have bought him more as a Special Forces guy than fucking Adrian Grenier. But again, not his fault. Adrian Gonorrhea is what I'm fucking <laughs> saying. Listen, no, I I just thought he was, that was signposted that he was a bad guy, guy far too early, and I didn't fucking like him. Not because he was going to be the bad guy. I just didn't buy him. I don't think he's got the chops. I think he was the weak link. Well, he's you know what? He's tagged along with Skeech. So he's either in the scene with Maloney, Skeech, or uh, Batista. You know, so they they help pick up whatever he's fucking lacking in those moments yeah, for the most part. And he is. And, and do you know what? You've hit on that one. He's lacking in every sense, you know. It's just inauthentic. As soon as I saw him, I've never watched Entourage. So I'm not like bringing baggage and saying, no, he was great in Entourage. That's not, this is not the sort of coach you should be playing, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying, I don't know who this guy is, but I don't buy him. I think he's a weak link in this movie. But, as you pointed out, Bruce Willis, Maloney, Sheet, Batista, these guys are legit and they're all giving it their all. They're giving it their all. And they're on screen most of the time. I don't think he's, I don't think Grenier has gotten all to give. That's what I'm saying. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> but and anyway. you know I've seen his movies since the show, and I loved him in the show, but he has, he has not been the same level of actor since the show. In all right. honesty, like he's been okay, good in the show, but not good, it's not good in these movies. Because I've Listen, seen Arsenal. 
an arsenal. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I wish act. I could say that no. Stephen C. Smith yeah. hit a home run with the next one that he did. Stephen C. Miller. N- whatever. Sorry, Stephen C. Miller. Hey, you, that's you me. over here, Steve Smith. He's making movies. <laughs> bada bing. No, uh, I, you could have been a better. Arsenal is outside of Nicolas Cage bringing back a character and then it not being as good. It, Arsenal's a dog shit pile yeah. as well. But, so. but no, I'm not saying he can't act. I'm just saying I, I don't think he. I, I think he was. Um, yeah, just outmatched. I just don't think yeah. he's got what it takes. And you've pretty much said that as well in a nicer way. I mean, the positives of this film for me are the the action set pieces, which they're not they're not like the last movie where they're just kind of like everyone shooting everyone. They were grounded, they felt real, and I enjoyed those. There was a lot of good tete-a-tete moments. The Maloney Willis one, it's yeah, the yeah, best yeah. one we've had, yeah. except for the first film. So I won't even use that as an example because that's a whole nother monster. That's a that's a film un, unto itself. The only other good scene that we've had with him like that, even though Forrest Whitaker's character was injured, was him sitting down with Forrest Whitaker and having a conversation. Like, the last good time where we got to see Willis interact with somebody on his fucking level of acting and brought something out of Bruce. Because you could watch throughout this movie when Bruce was on screen with Maloney, you could feel the juices, right? You could feel like, I'm acting. And in the other ones, you could feel like, okay, I got to carry the scene. You know, and you could feel the change yeah. in even his acting in it. I wonder if um, Maloney is probably thinking, holy fuck, I'm going to get to be in a scene with Bruce Willis. Do you know what I mean? And threaten to you throw him through a window. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean. But it was like, holy shit, you know, this is probably something he's dreaming. He's dreamed of, to be fair. I think yeah. most oh, actors I agree. Of, agree. of a certain type have. Yeah, there's no way he didn't see Die Hard and be like, so I want to be. I want to be this eventually. This is, the, this is the trajectory I want to go. Yeah, absolutely. This is the problem with the movie, though, is the listeners may have noticed we're spending 80% of this conversation talking about the actors and their performances because I don't think there's as much to talk about with the plot. Yeah. It's a threadbare plot, overly complicated really. Yep. So, you know, you've, you've got the police department at loggerheads with the FBI as per, mm-hmm. and they're all trying to find out who these um, bank robbers are. That's the story. And why they're robbing the banks and why they're doing this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's a very simple story. But why we're talking about the acting is because we have done nine episodes. Mm. And in those nine episodes, outside of the very first one, we have had not had any kind of acting outside of maybe one or two people doing it and everyone else just fucking sleeping through it or being in the film. <laughs> like you said, like if this had been if this was directed by someone else, like someone of more stature, this movie is fucking on fire. Yeah. We talk yeah. about this in the laurels of the town. And heat. This movie's up in that stratosphere because it had the potential. It just didn't have the people to bring it. You know, to go. We need to change this about the script because, like you said, Jonathan Skeech, Maloney, Bruce Willis, Dave Bautista. They are swinging and hitting home runs every time they're screening, which is why yeah. you keep going with it. Yeah, yeah. There's action, but it's not a full, heavy, like, Precious Cargo was just fucking insane action. It, this isn't an action movie, is it? This it's more is of a thriller. A, it's a, more of a crime thriller. Proper, yeah. a proper crime thriller, yeah. I will even risk humiliation here and say, Ooh, I like this. Hey, we go. Michael Bay could have directed this. I'm with you in this. He would have elevated proceedings. He would have it, yeah, it, 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 it would have been a little bit more, it, we would have had a little more drama, because there was some slow-mos, and I thought of Michael Bay when I was like, why is Christopher Maloney walking in slow-mo right now? And they like, what, what is this about? I don't, there was a couple of lens players in there, I'm too. I'm all for a slow-mo <laughs> walk, man. I wish I could slow-mo walk sometimes. Ultimately, for me, this is where we're kind of like, we're skirting around the issues. But ultimately, I think that, you know, it's worth watching for the performances. Stick around for everything else because it's not a, it's not even a heroic failure. It's Mm-mm. not a failure. It's just 
It trips itself up. It's a B movie that's it could have been more. It could have been. It could have been trips itself up. Yeah, it could have been somebody. Detective Mims had a lead on a print discovered on the fake bomb. He followed up, found weapons and drugs at the suspect's residence. So why didn't you wait for my okay to go raid the apartment? I'm homicide. It was a homicide. Don't pull this bullshit on me. I allow Cincinnati PD to fully partake in my investigations, but at the end of the day, don't make the mistake. That money says federal reserve note. Well, you didn't do a very good job of reserving it. Well, that's very clever. Mims, comment. Captain O'Connell, shut the fuck up. Do you know how I'm able to tell him that, Mims? Because my official title is special agent in charge, which gives me the authority over a special agent who's over your captain, who's over you. You don't take evidence from a crime scene until I get there. You don't do a fucking raid unless I tell you. You got a print? I want it. James Jackson? No. The print belongs to T.J. Jackson. Say that again. Wait, you don't know who T.J. Jackson is? He was a ranger. Keyword there is was. T.J. Jackson's dead. All right, well, let's jump into our finality here. Favorite scene. We'll start with our favorite scene, and I believe you will have the honor of starting us off this. this is that uh, correct? Yes, sir. Everyone get your tea and your crumpets. Uh, what... <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite scene of Marauders? My favorite scene is Christopher Maloney. Now, early in the film, there's a scene of Christopher Maloney alone at a bar, and he's got a glass of red wine, and he's watching a young couple. Um, you know, it's a, like late night. They're up there, obviously in love. And they're kind of like, uh, you know, they're kissing each other and laughing. And he's just sort of watching them and smiling. And then he um, he picks up his mobile phone and plays back messages from his wife. Um, and she's saying, you know, hurry up and come home. And she's left him some sweet messages. And you sort of watch that, and that's all kind of nice. And then, the, then it just kind of fades to black. And it's later revealed that his wife's dead, which gives it that thing that we're talking about mm-hmm. of it's given him backstory and that is what was initially quite a sweet scene ends up quite a tragic scene mm-hmm. but it says a lot about his character and why he's so driven so yeah in amongst all this kind of cloak and dagger stuff and these crimes and robberies and i just found it to be quite a a, a quiet scene that just gave a little bit of depth to this guy without saying too much so for me that was my favorite scene. For me, mine is the opening bank robbery. Look, if you're listening to this podcast or any movie podcast and you haven't seen the movie Heat and you don't know of the amazing robberies that are in that film, you know that any film from that moment on has always been held up to that level of the standard of what those scenes were. It was the intrepidation I felt when I went into the town, not knowing how they would pull it off, and then they pulled it off expertly, being somewhat of an homage, but while also making it their own, which was fantastic. And so I knew that this movie was about bank robbers, because when you see the, you know, the trailer, I've watched the trailer, and I've also saw the you know the cover, so I thought, well, we know what this is about. And so you go in with that same, like, what's this going to be like? Is this going to be awful? And they pulled off that opening robbery. Look, it's not, wasn't as great as those other two movies, but it did its own thing. It was inventive. I liked like the whole using of smartwatches, completely redoing the way they did things. They never spoke. Everything 
everything was on these commands. There was just something about it that I really enjoyed. It drew me in immediately. I was like, this opening scene with this robbery is, I'm either going to go, oh, fuck. I got another hour? Because this is the longest movie we've had. This went over 100 minutes. We were in the 100 and... This is true. Some minutes, Mark. I was like, 140, okay. 140, uh, no. 107 minutes or something like that, right? Yeah. So yeah, 107 yeah, minutes. Yes. It was an hour 47. Yeah. So I thought, oh, boy. That's right. Sorry, yeah. If this doesn't carry this opening scene, Steve and I are in for a long fucking slog and it carried and like Steve said it pushed into those titles and then Christopher Maloney comes on screen and you're just like okay I feel like there's something here we're gonna we're gonna have a, a nice watch and that opening bank robbery set the tone because even if Christopher Maloney was still Christopher Maloney and that opening bank robbery was kind of garbage it would have been it would have been like oh it's another movie where Bruce Willis is carrying everything but we all know everything going around him is just fucking farcical and ridiculous and he's just kind of like okay this is where I'm at in my career and I really enjoyed that opening bank robbery it was the best action scene they had and then the rest you know, you know, they, they start to move towards plot and other things happens. But this one, when you have nothing, it's fresh and this kicks it off. It was probably also one of my favorite scenes of the eight movies that wasn't the first movie that we opened with it. I was like, oh, all right, finally, we yeah, got yeah. something going Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Now, one of my favorite moments is our favorite one-liners or dialogue moments in our movies. Best one-liner. We always have some good ones, and I have a, a good one. I'm wondering what you're going to pick. So, Mr. Smith, what is your favorite dialogue moment, best one-liner from Marauder? I've got, yeah, on this one, I've gone for a kind of a less, just a little moment I just thought was cool, really. Fire that's away. all I can really say. Um, that's a scene between Dave Batista and Chris, Chris Maloney at a bar again. Mm. <laughs> Well, that says about me. <laughs> Were they scratching their balls? <laughs> they having a beer scratching your balls. Oh, it's just we we know at this point that Maloney's wife was savagely. Yeah, murdered. but now we know she's dead. Yeah, badly murdered. And Dave Batista orders himself a whiskey. Chris Maloney looks over to him and says, "What do you think Velasquez is doing now? Getting high? Remember how he killed my wife?" Batista says, "Do you want to talk about it?" And he replies. I just did. So that's it. <laughs> just that kind of hard boiled story. Great delivery. Dialogue yes. greatly delivered by both. Someone else returns those, those dialogues and some of the movies we watch, it goes over like a fart in church. Exactly. Do right? you know what? That scene is probably 40 seconds long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it stuck with me both times. But I, when, I flip, when I flicked through it and when I watched it last night, I was just like, you know what? You want to know what actors do? That's what actors do. You know? A lot is said in that 40 seconds. Yeah, sometimes the, your, your quips are just as important as your monologue. How are yeah. you able to deliver a moment where we yeah. feel like you've got a relationship? Like we do. Like we, we have a we have a it, way we talk to each other. Exactly. If people hear us at a bar, like, oh, you... F-, they'd be like, all right, these guys know each other. You get that. Exactly. And that's what we need in acting. We need to know that we feel like off screen, you guys have shared time together. You know each other. I, exactly. I need to know that gonna, you have... Exactly what I was going to say actually was, you know, you've got Chris Maloney, Dave Batista. Batista hardly says a word, but in that instant, you know, in that 40 seconds or so, as you've just said, you get an understanding of who these guys are, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's well, well, you know, it's a well-written moment. It's a well-acted moment and it's performed by two, you know, solid, relatable actors who have got a great presence. And it's like I say, it's 40 seconds long. It hasn't got, like you say, you know, it hasn't got to be. We love these Tarantino mm-hmm. movies and stuff where mm-hmm. people get these grand moments to just spew forth mm-hmm. this amazing dialogue. But sometimes all you need is that short, sharp, to the point mm-hmm. thing. And that can be <laughs> equally as cool. Can't yeah, it can. No, great. Equally as cool. So that was it for me, just that little moment. Well, mine happens to have Batista in it. Dave Batista, but also Adrian Grenier. They're sitting upstairs. There's some uh, questions that have been asked. 
And uh, it starts with Mr. Grenier saying, Vanessa Adler, she's a reporter for Channel 12, right? Mr. Batista says, the one with the big tits? Grenier goes, um, she's also a writer for the Plain Daily. He goes, I only know about the big tits. <laughs> oh. I love his delivery, but he just, like, it wasn't, he wasn't being a wise ass. He's like, no. the one with the big tits? Look, all I know is she's got big tits. Like, I don't know what size. she does. You know what <laughs> if she's been on TV, she's the one with the big tits, then yes, I know who you're talking about. If you're asking yeah. me other questions, what's your favorite coffee? All I know, the one I'm talking about has got big tits. I just loved that <laughs> no, the delivery was just perfect. Because it. it's the one, you know, besides that and then his thing what we just did, it's those one few, like, comedic moments that are in there. You know what I mean? They're like, they're yeah, kind of like it's they a break deadly serious tension. movie for the most yeah. oh, part. It's just yeah. so deadly serious. But like some of these other movies we've watched, they try to fee, you know force in comedic moments and they don't work. And this one just really played nicely that it just was like, we're slipping these in here. Yeah, absolutely. Best performance. That brings us to the best performance. Mr. Smith, who gave your best performance in your opinion? This is difficult. Okay, best performance. Oh, this is tough. <laughs> I know it to your I know it to you're trying to just yeah, I between. will be revealed because I don't know which way round to do it. Okay. Do you know what? I've written it down. Go ahead. I'm 99.9% sure I'm right. Okay. So my best Best performance, Christopher Maloney, okay? Mine as well. Killed it. Best performance. Carries this movie. Without him, even though some other guys are good, without him, this movie doesn't do what we, what you were complaining a little bit. Why we only talked about the acting is because it was so good in these movies that we have not seen before that it made all the other things that were kind of like a, a problem, we were able to accept it because we were still so invested in watching yeah. Christopher Maloney come on screen. You know what I mean? No, we're you're like, right. That's every it. time he was on screen, you're like, man, he's really keeping me going in this movie. I mean, he could have tried to, he could have stopped at one point, turned to the camera and tried to sell us life insurance or reverse mortgages here in America. I'm like, I might need a reverse mortgage from Mr. Christopher Maloney. He was he might be right. He's on to something. <laughs> so yeah, 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 absolutely. Great, 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 great. Favorite character. So, Mr. Smith, now I know what your other answer is. Who was your favorite character? Well, my favorite character, no, I think, I, I think I'm right. I think I'm right. My favourite character is Mims, played by Jonathan Sheets. I knew you were struggling yeah, between those two. Yeah, because he's just a very dark, tortured character, mm -hmm. you know, who you are unsure of. You know, he could be a bad apple, he could be a bad cop, and in a lot of ways he is. But he's also got that sense of honour about him and doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. and Or at least, put it this way, if he does something bad, he does it for the right reason. And that's what you get, you know, I'm saying it now. Fuck this shit, right? <laughs> Christopher Maloney and Jonathan Sheets, they need to buddy up. You know, make a buddy cop movie with, like, Walter Hill or someone. I would watch a prequel for how the whole fucking thing went down with his wife. Like, I actually almost feel like that's the better movie, right? Like, I almost would, like, want to see that whole movie. Yeah. But, like, Walter Hill's slumming it these days, okay? One of my favorites of all time. He's slumming it. Jonathan Sheets. Chris Maloney and some like, you know, some kind of like um, nice guys not got. Or even a Paul Schrader movie. Well, I mean, Paul Schrader. No. I'll watch, I'll watch no. Paul Schrader fucking paint a wall. I look. But I think he's saying, right now, if you go to his YouTube, he's live streaming. Right now, he's painting, <laughs> uh, he's painting his, his garage. That's on his, that's on his TikTok. Um, but no, I'm saying, Walter Hill's slumming it these days. He should make a film. Jonathan Sheets and Chris Maloney, kind of like a knockoff of like the nice guys or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Ooh, yeah. So, um, but no, but my favorite character is Mims because he was this tortured soul, a good cop gone bad, but not all the way bad. You didn't know if he was in on the caper 
And when you find out he's not, there's still some dark shit going on where mm-hmm. he could make a, a bad decision. So, you know, yeah. So he was my, um, my, my favorite character. Mine, Mr. Agent Montgomery. I love everything Steve said. I love Jonathan Skeech. Obviously, I've been kind of trumpeting him since Vice. I thought he was fantastic in Vice. He was my guy then. But Christopher fucking Maloney. Holy Baloney Maloney over here. This guy over <laughs> here. Oh, oh. Oh, I bet ladies line up around the block for the Baloney of Maloney. You know what I'm saying? No. He was, he was, a, he was electrifying. Like, it was a lot of fun. And like you said, I've seen him. In other stuff, and he's been great. But I thought, okay, this is one of those. Mm. How about this? He was so good that we're probably going to talk about Mr. Willis once we decide how he did. And we kind of skipped through Mr. Willis, not because Mr. Willis wasn't good, but because of how amazing Christopher Maloney was carrying this film. This was a Christopher Maloney movie. Obviously, Bruce was a was a you know side character, as everyone else was. Maloney does an amazing job. He kills it. He carries this film. I loved his his character. Even the end turn, look, not his fault. I loved him even up to that point. I was like, fuck it. I'm, I was like, I'm riding with you, Maloney. We're going to hell so someone else can get to heaven. All right, let's do this. We're riding with Maloney. Hey. When they had that little moment where he goes and visits Vasquez in prison, which we kind of skipped over. And, he, and the last thing he says to him was, I dream about killing you with my bare hands. That's when we, I thought we were going to Mexico. I was like, I don't even care if we find Bruce anymore. Bruce's character can get away with free. I want the I want Maloney v. Vasquez in the yeah. deserts of Mexico. I want <laughs> Breaking Bad style shit to happen right now, and I was a little disappointed when it wasn't. So for me, yeah. Maloney is my is my MVP for the whole thing. He was amazing. Maloney for president. Hey, oh, all right. I'll take I'll take Thomas Jane as vice president then. I tell you what though, I'll tell you what that just goes to show how good Maloney is as Montgomery that you chose him over your boy Skeech. Skeech. Mm-hmm. But that's it. that speaks volumes. That'll bring us to the moment of truth. The moment of truth. I do apologize. I know this is a Bruce Willis podcast, and I know that we were kind of hijacked by some surprise acting. Because for most of the part, we usually tell you about Bruce is either the best part of this, or he didn't show up for it. And some other people did okay. This was one of those times where Bruce finally had some people acting with him. Like, it was like a real movie. That's why this is such a conundrum of a movie, because it's like a real movie. Like, it has every element to make it a movie that's not just, like, right to DVD, could have been released, but it falls short in some some big aspects that still keep it in that B level, which is unfortunate. But I'm telling you what, these actors do everything they can to raise this up, and we haven't said that about anything outside of the first movie. And we all, we already talked about the first movie, somehow didn't get released. That was a, a movie to be released. And this is probably the only other movie we've done that looks and feels like, well, that in Catch 44. The look in the acting in it, you go, okay, how do these not get released in the theater? They may have failed in the theater, but you go, how do they not get released at least? So, did Mr. Willis drop a deuce for Bruce? And how do you think he, how was his performance before you give our answer? That way we can kind of give a little bit of credence to the man that this is named after. Okay, um, the most memorable part of Bruce Willis in this movie is the opening speech. Or the opening with the bank mm-hmm. on the thirteenth stroke, fourteenth floor. He's so he's, he's decent in in this. Only just though, like so I'm so I'm gonna say Bruce dropped the Bruce, but only just. He most definitely dropped a Bruce. And when I say only just, it's because of what you just said. Because he's more equally matched in this. In a lot, you know, look. When Bruce Willis is in a movie with Ryan Philippi 
and 50 cent yeah mm -hmm. he's gonna shine yeah he doesn't shine so much in this but not because he's not doing a good job but because he's in with more equally matched actors i think you know so mm -hmm. so he's not amazing in this but you know he he's he's with a better cast all around and it's not as easy for him to stand out that's fair but he's good enough this is not a deuce this is not he doesn't drop a deuce in okay. it. You know, when you, when I think to when I think back to a few of the other movies. Well, last last episode, we didn't even know he was in the film. That's how yeah. that's how unimportant he was in Precious exactly, Cargo. Yeah, exactly. So so on this occasion, he just scrapes through with a Bruce, not a deuce. That's my that's my opinion. All right, I almost echo your sentiment. I think he was a little bit better than you give him credit for. However, I do also understand why you say what you say. His opening monologue with the spider is fantastic. He's really given it. And then some of the other scenes when he's not with anybody, you're just, he's like, okay, you know, he's like, all right, he's just in the movie. And it's nothing, it's not his fault. He's like, okay, but when he is with the other characters, especially when he's with Christopher Maloney, that scene, you can see it's like Bruce, the Bruce of old is there. He doesn't overdo it. Him and Maloney are tete-a-tete. No one's backing down. You know, Maloney throws this tough guy thing. I don't, you know, because Bruce goes, how do you see things playing? And he goes, well, one way is I could throw it through the wind, and yeah. Bruce goes, that's one way it could go. And I just love that it makes you want them to go toe-to-toe -to -toe more. Yeah. And when he is on screen with Maloney or he does it over screen, he is just great. He's back in his old. You feel like, oh, all right, Bruce is in a movie again. You know, you're like, yes, we're watching a Bruce Willis film. We're not just watching, hey, Bruce is in this B movie, and hopefully he does something. Yeah, but when he's not with in. those guys, when he does, you do feel sometimes he's like, there's no motivation for him to give more. But when he's yeah. with, when a guy like Christopher Maloney is absolutely acting his ass off with him, Bruce, look, it's not his greatest performance ever, but man, I think some of this thesis we could write at the end is so far when Bruce is put in scenes with people who can act, it does bring out the best in him. I sometimes feel like when he has to feel like he has to carry this thing or even make this movie any what entertaining, we're getting to a certain part of his career where he's just like doesn't he just looks like I don't fucking I just want to collect this money now. I don't really don't fucking care anymore. I don't even know why I'm here. Sometimes yeah. it feels like that. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But this one was not one of those let his hair grow out like he got into character for this and so that's yeah, why i gave yeah. him because he actually was like i'm not just gonna show up put on the same old suit do the same old thing my hair's grown out i got a beard i'm gonna look the part and so i give him a bruce he most definitely dropped a bruce we have not had back-to-back -back bruces for movies yet this season even though i gave catch 44 a bruce it was two after our first one Last week, we gave Precious Cargo. So we've had two films that we've both agreed are Bruce's. Are we on the same page here? Is this a Bruce? Is this a Deuce? Mr. Smith, what is your call? Bruce or Deuce for Marauders? I feel much the same way that I feel about whether Bruce dropped a Bruce or a Deuce. I'm going to give this movie a Bruce. This film was definitely dropped a Bruce. It doesn't pass with flying colours. You know, it's not like, um, oh, this is a Bruce. This is good shit. We've only we've only had one of those. Where we were yeah. both like this, Walker. Yeah. This is a definite step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I would agree with you. Yeah. This pisses on Precious Cargo in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. See, Precious Cargo got through on fun. Extremely entertaining. Entertaining yeah. beyond both of our imaginations. Yeah. Yes. It entertained this, the shit out of us. This gets through because it's a classier affair all around. 
you know it's the first movie i feel that was trying to achieve yeah, yeah, something like more it, like it, it was really putting in and like we say it was really putting forth an effort to be more than the sum of its parts and it came yeah. very close Look, you know it was fine you know and i don't like to say that about a film do you know what i mean because there's a little bit on the fence it's a little bit like eh, it's fine in the grand scheme i mean i know what you mean you know in the grand scheme of things you know it's fine but in the in in the realms and world of the the Bruce of us that we're in, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a contender. I agreed. Mm-hmm. It's a contender. So you know that's how we have to approach this. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. Because what you mean. ultimately, how many films are there? Sorry, altogether? forty total. Forty, forty okay. of these. Forty. Yeah. Okay. Right. So let's just get this out in the open. In the grand scheme of things, even the first movie may not even be up to scratch in... No, it's actually mean. It's not... It may not make it, the top in ten. In the movie universe. Yeah, of, of his. Of in, his in the, films. It may not make the top ten. the universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. None yeah. of these movies are really contenders. But in the Bruce-averse, you know, that's that's the only way we can really gauge these films. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, we're, we're gauging yeah. these against its contemporaries and what we've already seen. Yeah. And so, other movies like this that we've seen. Yeah, exactly. So for me, yeah, this is, this is a Bruce. This is... This is watchable, rewatchable, quotable, mean, moody, little moments of levity when the action's not floating your boat, the acting will, mm-hmm. just seeing people bounce off each other, you know, with their acting chops is, mm-hmm. is um, engaging. So, the, yeah, for me, a Bruce. So, for me, I too agree with you. This is a Bruce. This film was definitely dropped a Bruce. And like you said, if you put this up against other heist movies, like we've already mentioned, like The Town or Heat, Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, that kind of stuff, no. It, th- those are classics. It's not going to be in that range. And you're going to say, that's a fu- this is a fucking deuce. In that realm, yes, you're right. This, is, this doesn't hold the same level as those no. films do. But again, if they did, we, it wouldn't be on this podcast right now because we, exactly. it wouldn't no, be in so the annuals. In Bruce's overall filmography... It, it might, you know, uh, he's got a lot of movies. Because he's got 40 of these, it's probably middle of the pack because of how many movies he's got that he added on. It's not going to touch the Sin Cities. It's not touching the Die Hards. No, it's not no. touching the Six Senses. It's not in that realm, right? He's not in untouchable territory. However, it's a, I mean, for what it is, for B, in a B movie and in the Bruce Willis direct-to-DVD or any direct-to-DVD movies that we've, that have been put out there by all these, as they call them, geezer teasers, all these famous actors just usually taking paychecks for roles. This is a pretty damn good one because this is still Dave Bautista shaking off the cloak wrestling of the persona. wrestling and starting to put in his performances. He's great. This is Christopher Maloney trying to show the world that, hey, I'm, a, I'm not just this TV guy you know. I'm a good fucking actor. I can hold my fucking own. Yeah. And he's spectacular. I mean, he, like, when I say he goes toe to toe with Bruce, he goes toe to toe with Bruce. Like, fantastic in this film. And it's a fun movie. Just like with Precious Cargo, I would probably put this now above Precious Cargo because this is one of those first movies we've got a chance to see that hits almost all the, so close. I feel like there's still some hope that maybe there's a few other of these down the road that we're going to go, you know, these, this wasn't bad. Oh, no, it's definitely a glimmer of hope to, you know, you could see how after watching, you know, Vice, Extraction, even, and Fire, you could see how you could start feeling like, man, I don't know if we should even continue. But there's these dips, but there's these peaks, and you know, there's these little, there's these nu- nuances and things and tropes and little things that are kind of like making it all seem ah, there's there's little there's things to enjoy, 
Things are going to let you down. You know, like you say, it's unpredictable, ultimately, is what I'm saying. That's the, un- the unpredictability is what keeps you driving forward, isn't it? Yes. Now, coming up for December, for Christmas, even though you have no idea that we're recording this in August, we are not even in the, we're still ending summer. But when we finally hit Christmas, right before Christmas, so the Tuesday before Christmas, we will reach the quarter mark. We'll hit number 10. And I've seen the trailer. The movie is Once Upon a Time in Venice. It's one of the ones that I had heard prior to this being decent. I've seen the trailer. And once again, it looks like a movie that should have been released in theaters now. And Bruce is the star. Oh, nice. Our first one on this journey where Bruce is the star of the film. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not going to read a thing. I'm not going to watch a trailer. I'm just going to go into this one blind. I'm excited. I'm hopeful and excited too because there's also some decent acting in it, some actors in it. So I'm hopeful. But please enjoy the rest of your holiday season and join us just shy of a week from Christmas when we... Drop our 10th episode of Dropping a Bruce. We make the quarter turn. We're a fourth of the way there. 30 more to go after it. As we check out Once Upon a Time in Venice as we get close to shutting down season one, which is amazing to think that we're getting that close. After we started the first one, I never knew we were going to get this one. So who knew? We're in it now, folks. We can't turn back. I think we're past the point of no return. So. That will do it for our ninth episode. Please feel free to reach out to us on the show socials, which can be found in the show notes. And tell us what you thought about this film, how you feel about Bruce as an actor, or even to let us know what you think about this podcast. We'd also greatly appreciate it if you give the show a like, leave us a review, and follow the podcast on the Last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network, where you can find other amazing shows dedicated to such iconic action stars as Stallone, Lundgren, Van Damme, Schwarzenegger, and Seagal. The link to the network can be found in our show notes. So be sure to check out the new episodes of our main show, The Cheeky Bastards Podcast. They drop two weeks prior to Dropping a Bruce and are available wherever you get your podcast. And now also on the Last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network. So will you please join us again next month as Steve and I will be reviewing Bruce's role in 2017's American crime comedy, Once Upon a Time in Venice. To once again see if he dropped a deuce or if he dropped a Bruce. Until then. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. This has been a man with an exceptional beard production.